0: Well, the DVD worked last time, so I'm really hoping it's going to work this time. This is Perpetual Outsider. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Bensalia. Today I'm going to look at Blake's Seven Spacefall, which is the second uh, episode of the whole series. Um, it was first broadcast in January 1978, January the 9th. And um, yeah, there's uh, just a Explain about the DVD. There was, a, there was a crack in the middle which I found, and I'm really hoping it's going to work this time. <laughs> so far, it, it seems to be going okay. So, I'm, I'm just going to get it to the, the episode selection, and then I'm going to count us down in five, four, three, two, one, go. Are you going to work? Yes, it's going to work. That's good. That's good. It's all good so far. Yes, this this is spaceful and it feels more like a tradi- uh, traditional bit of Do- um, Blake Seven. Doctor Who, for God's sake. Although there are lots of familiar Doctor Who faces. This is really the first time I'm kind of reviewing this episode of Blake Seven because I'm no- I never got round to reviewing it in the... Um, I I only came on board with the, uh, the Den of Geek reviews for a Cygnus Alpha which is the next one after this. Um, and I, I haven't got around to re-reviewing it. Well, reviewing it for the first time on my website. So this is the the first time, which opens with a, a very expensive model shot that costs uh, ate up all the budget, actually. That's a nice um, swooping shot from uh, Penn and Roberts. I, I like the way it starts off, you know, with uh, with an aerial view of the crew, uh, of the prisoners, I mean, on the, um, on the main uh, flight deck of a prison ship. Yeah, Pen and Roberts does some good work in this. I mean, he's got some handheld camera there on um, Artics from... No, yeah, Artics, yeah. I was going to say Edas from Underworld, which would have been running at about the same time, I think. Yeah, Pen and Roberts, so that, I, I think, dare I say it, I'm, I actually think he's probably better suited to Blake 7 than Doctor Who. I think he does probably... Better work on this, I think. Although you know he's he's not bad on Doctor Who by any means. I think he uh, I, th- I think he does some very good work, especially on stuff like Shada and uh, Pirate Planet. I think I think he's very good on that. And some makers actually, I think a bit. But I think he's probably, you know, I think in action terms, I think he's got a better pace here. I think. And I'm talking all over the other characters. There's Glyn Owen. Uh, playing with the Commander Commander Leyland, the harassed commander of the prison ship. He'd go on to be in Doctor Who in The Power of Kroll as the laconic Rome who spends his time chewing on a piece of straw. Uh, there's Leslie Schofield eagerly anticipating his coffee break. Leslie Schofield was also in Doctor Who in The Face of Evil as Caleb and in The War Games as Leroy, the American soldier. And there is Norman Tipton finally bringing up the trio of Doctor Who guest stars who are leading the prison ship. Um, Norman Tipton was Edus and Underworld, which was broadcasting actually at the same time he'd be seen for the first time in Doctor Who, five days after this was broadcast. So it must have been a pretty good um, paycheck month for, uh, for Norman Tipton, I think. Raker's just about to give it... Well, it's not really a pet talk, it's more of a um my way of a highway talk. If you don't like it then you'll be chucked off the ship or killed or whatever. I mean Raker is no more really than a just a you know, a petty bully boy, you know, he's he's just throwing his weight around just because he can, just because the commander kinda of tends to turn a, a blind eye really to proceedings, which we'll see. Yeah, this was the uh, the first episode to be filmed, wasn't it? It was um, filmed, I think, around the first or second of November. So you've got a different, you've got a different bunch of crew members. I mean, for all I know, maybe they're maybe they're Time Lords. I don't know. Um. Yeah, what what is that all about? The timing of this. I mean, if if there's one criticism I can make of Spacefall is that the timing is all over them. It's all over the shop. Um, I I don't know how long is meant to pass between the scenes, whether it's days, you know, hours, days, weeks, months. I mean, if it's months, I mean, they'll still be wearing the same clothes. I mean, they must absolutely stink to high heaven. They must absolutely stink worse than pigs in shit. I mean, they must be really honking. So, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, mind you, I mean, even if it's days, there must be, you know, must be a rancid smell of body odour lingering, which is probably why Paul Darrow doesn't look very happy. There he is for the first time as Avon. And there's David Jackson's Gan, who we didn't see in the, in the way back, because they'll be taking a, um, short holiday, I think, between seasons. Because they only had, they only record, um, they only had 10 days, between recordings, they would literally record a new episode in the studio every 10 days. And in between, they'd be rehearsing, doing location filming and stuff, um, Ealing filming, all of that. So, this was a very, very tough treadmill, really, recording wise. Raker about to um, throw his dummy out the pram here. I'm not really quite sure why. Because he didn't call him Sir or something. Yeah. All right, keep your hair on. Very seventies hair, of course. Why has he got such a big thing about being called Sir? I mean, who does he think he is? Ben Kingsley? Peppermint Patty from Charlie Brown? I mean, if Blake got a like, you know a pair of those really thick glasses and uh, kind of slicked his hair down the sides, I mean, he could be he could be Marcy, you know, call him Sir all the time. Oh dear, he's uh, kind of filling in the gaps um, with, uh, with what's happened to Blake's story so far, of course. Is Blake has been framed for awful crimes that he didn't commit by the Federation just because he was a, a thorn in their side. And rather than kill him, which would make him a martyr, they discredited him in the worst way with awful crimes involving youngsters Framed him for those, um, killed his uh, lawyer and his missus, uh, and bunged him on a prison ship, which will be taken to Cygnus Alpha, which he will is supposed to spend the rest of his days on. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen somehow. Yeah, that's the other guy, um, Nova, I think. Yeah, played by played by Tom Kelly. He was another Doctor Who stalwart. Actually, he was in uh, he was in the Sunmakers. He played guard, and he was in the Invasion of Time. He played uh, uh, one of the Vardans. Again, ab- ab- about the same time. So, another one that must have been delighted with uh, with his bank balance in early nineteen seventy eight. This is good. This bit with um Kachanta butter up Jenna, and uh, and it spectacularly backfires. I wonder what it is she's going to say to him. What is it she's going to whisper to him? Answers on the postcard, please. But whatever it is, Raker is not too happy about it and just gives Jenna an almighty slap. Ouch. Yeah, I don't think that would be allowed these days. (laughs) I think we could all guess, uh, you know, along along the lines of... uh, what Jenna was saying, yeah, which is, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's very happy about it. Look at Paul Darrow here, just effortlessly stealing the scene just by doing very little. I mean, he he just commands the screen somehow. You know, just you know, but you know, somehow all the attention is on him because you know he, he just, um, you know the the you know the quiet, laconic, ice cold delivery in the speech and just that kind of laconic oh you know i i I don't give a damn about anything or anyone kind of poise you know he's just got that kind of quiet swagger i think for want of a better word yeah i mean he's 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 just a brilliant character i I really like the fact that he's you know this kind of anti-hero you know he, he doesn't have time for other people um, he can't trust anyone, which which will actually ultimately be his own undoing. Why do I keep them in Jumping ahead to the the final episode, we let's not go there. Let's stick with this one. But yeah, he's 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 just a wonderful creation, and I think already he's kind of um, you know even in this episode, I think he's becoming the main kind of character rather than Blake, who's um, who's who's just more of a conventional hero, really. And like I said the last time, I think obviously Gareth Thomas probably got the short straw because he, you know, he didn't really have a great deal to work with as you know, with, you know Blake, you know the kind of, um, you know, the, the more conventional central hero. I think Hillary's more of a, you know, the kind of comedy character. He was he was a little bit a little bit shifty in the in the opening episode, The Way Back, um, and here, and here he's. Um, He's he's kind of more of a figure of fun, really. You know, he can kind of goofs around, makes jokes, but he also does magic tricks as well, which is not really something that kind of is is dwells upon that much, apart from in um, sarcophagus, he does that. You know, he pulls up some magic tricks there. Not a lot, yeah. See, even Jenna's calling him Paul Daniels now. Not a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if he hadn't, you know, if he hadn't, um, if he hadn't stolen other people's belongings, then he uh, he could have made quite a good career as a magician. Those are good model shots. I mean, they they certainly got their money's worth when they filmed this in. I think it was Brave Studios in August 1977. But the problem was, it, it just ate up the budget. For the remainder of the season, so they literally had to beg, steal, and borrow wherever they could to actually um, get some good visuals. But uh, you know what? I, I don't think it. I don't think it looks too bad. I, th- I think actually um, the the production values are actually nowhere near as bad, even though Raker's got like one of those old fashioned <laughs> coffee flasks and those plastic coffee <laughs> flasks and uh, mugs. You know, they, they look like they're going to go on a picnic or something. You know, um, you know, they should have brought the, uh, the one of those kind of uh, the ice boxes from the Liberator, which they put all the other uh, teleport bracelets in. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've got one tucked away somewhere. But I mean that you know that, that's a good design. I mean, it's it's got a ceiling. A lot of um, a lot of the set designs in Blake Seven actually have ceilings. which you you don't always get in TV, so um, good on-the-set designers. This was designed, of course, by Roger Murray Leach, who designed many classic Doctor Who stories from the early Tom Baker years. Designed uh, The Ark in Space, uh, Deadly Assassin, Talents of Wind Chiang, Planet of Evil, of course, That Marvellous Jungle, Seeds of Doom, Sontaran Experiment, and he goes on. Um, So... um, David Maloney poached his talents to uh, to work on Blake Seven. I think he was actually approached to work on um, The Invasion of Time because um, he was going to keep continuity because he worked on The Deadly Assassin. And, of course, The Invasion of Time goes back to Gallifrey. But, obviously, I think his workload was way too massive by this point to actually um, work on both at the same time. So here's Blake trying to... um, What's he, I forget what he's trying to do I think he's trying to um see see if there's a way to a uh, to the main control room where um somebody can sabotage the equipment or something or at least um switch off the power of course all on film all on ealing. yeah like I said before it, it it doesn't bother me that much you know the, the switch between ealing filming and videotape and studio because it it was what I was brought up on. But, um, yeah, I'm sure today's viewers would kind of find it a bit jarring. Yeah, here he goes. So he's off, off to distract the guard with some magic. Uh, Beady, weedy there. I don't know how he does it. Does he... He produces a or No, he produces a coin. They do tend to have the same extras. I think that guy, the tall guy with the white hair and the bushy eyebrows, I think he's called Alan Crisp. Uh I recognise him he was one of Davos's Morgan, Genesis of the Daleks. And um I could be wrong, but I think he plays the um the Morbius monster, I think, in just part one of uh The Brain Morbius before Stuart Fell takes over and moves about and uh, goes on the rampage. Yeah, there's also Harry Fielder in this H who was, you know, one of those... Uh, along with Pat Gorman, he's kind of like the Wears-Wooly of Doctor Who, because he, he's in so many of uh, Doctor Who stories. I mean, Seeds of Doom, Armageddon Factor, Deadly Assassin, this goes on, you know. And, and not just Doctor Who, I mean, he's, he's in loads of other stuff as well. <laughs> I, I like the way that Blake kind of tries to get Avon on his side in this. Constantly trying to get through to him, you know, by, um, <clears throat> you know, for example, by saying that, you know, um, Cygnus Alpha is it really kind of a, an, a suitable envir- environment for a civilised man. But uh, Avon is always counter. He's always got an answer for Blake's, uh, Blake's answer. You know, Blake's suggestions, isn't he? You know, he says a civilised man can adapt. But there is that kind of underlying grudging respect, I think, between the two, even though I think you know the two are just completely different people. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's a great delivery, just the way the Darrow Darrow goes, when? <laughs> that's marvelous. Oh, here we go. Turbulence. Cameraman giving a the camera a bit of an old good old shape there. A trick learned from Star Trek. It's carrying on design wise. It's carrying on the kind of aesthetic of the way back. It's very kind of it's very kind of run down and utilitarian and shabby. You know, it's it's a ship that has seen better days, really. Just like in the way back, you know, it's it's very kind of back to basics design. So it's kind of in keeping, really. And obviously, you know, with the with the budget limitations, that that kind of concept actually it actually works in in the story's favour. Right down to the plastic uh, flask and coffee cups. But I don't think they ever did get that coffee. I'm, su- I'm surprised the coffee didn't spill. Actually, <laughs> yes, it's more of a traditional story, I think, than The Way Back, which was. Like I said before in, you know, in best Frankie Howard voice, the prologue, the prologue to Blake Seven, you know, this this feels more like um, where it all begins, you know, where it kicks off. And I, ne- I never did see the, um, oh, be- before I tell you what I didn't see, here's um, some ceiling gel, which is shaving foam being pumped through a hole in the wall. Uh, <laughs> I I could just picture some hapless extra behind that bit of wall, just uh, with a with a can of shaving foam, just go. I just really hope it works, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I I never did see the uh, the omnibus because they um before they released the um uh, the uncut versions in January nineteen ninety one. Uh, this would have been. Uh, part of that initial release package, um, they released them um, kind of like random episodes of Blake Seven as um, sort of like omnibus editions, and this was on the video called The Beginning, and it was basically the first four episodes butchered, even more than Baben, to um, essentially a movie version of um, those early days of Blake Seven, and I think this was the the episode that got the most material. I don't think there was much from the way back. I think it was just basically the trial and various bits, from what I've read anyway. Um, and, um, you know, bits from others. And, of course, they they released others as well. They released one called Duel, which included stuff from Jewel and Project Avalon. Uh, no, it was, yeah, and and Seat, Locate, Destroy. Um, there, there was that. It was kind of like, you know, sort of Travis-centric uh, run of episodes there was one called Orac, which was deliverance or and redemption and then there was uh the aftermath one as well which had VAT and power play and for some bizarre reason sarcophagus which was included in that um omnibus i don't really know why but uh no i, I never got to see them I, I saw them uh saw them on the, the video shelves but as i said before it was either by the doctor who videos or the blake 7 videos and I didn't have enough money for both, so it was it was Doctor Who that won the day. So here's Avon, stuck on film. Spying on some pudding bowl haircut bloke who's doing... What is he doing? Maintenance? <laughs> Dudley Simpson doing some great work in the background there. it's a good score actually. Yep, here's H. Is crisp. Gan as usual, not really getting a great deal to do. I I think poor old Gan, he he just kind of really, really suffers a lot from just kind of being the seventh wheel. Although he does get more to do than this guy Nova. I mean, he's just he's useless. I mean, what is he? He just kind of stands around looking a bit (laughs) gauntless. I'll go. I haven't done anything. Yeah. Well, you said it, mate. You know. I kind of got the same kind of. Um, I think he probably bought his clothes in the same shop as uh, as Blade. Have a look at it. He's got that same kind of tat- green tank top and um, sackcloth shirt. Yeah, tank tops are us. I, I, I don't think Blake actually set the fashion over like this with his tank top. Is Avon going to go for it? Yes, he is. I'm impressed that Paul Darrow did all his own fight sequences and, and all his own stunts. I mean, that's, you know, good on him. You you wouldn't be allowed to do that nowadays. Oh, here we go. He's Nova about to get Um, washing up liquid to death. Yeah, unfortunately, his pressure's going in, so he's doing this really badly dubbed... Oh! 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 (laughs) Oh! That is so badly dubbed, isn't it? Oh, here comes the shaving... Here comes the... No, it's washing up liquid, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a horrible, horrible way to go on paper, but it just looks comical because, you know, they're just firing... Um, very liquid at him, so it just looks really comical, but yeah. I mean, that you know, the concept of being sealed alive and um, in this horrible sealing gel is uh, yeah, awful way to go, but it just it, the budget doesn't kind of live up to that promise, really, which is a shame. Poor old Nova. He hasn't done anything, and he never will. You know, he'll forever be a walking, talking. I'm kind of picturing him, you know, actually, you know, sort of walking, you know, at, walking back to the deck, you know, sort of like just with his head and his hands and his his feet, you know, encased in concrete, in this great big concrete block. Saying, "Oh, you killed me, for this, but I'll get you, Blake." He he can do like Blakey does, and on the buses, oh, are you Blakey? Oh a one Spiny done it. Yeah, he's disabled the cameras, that's it. That's what Blake was trying to do, or trying to establish, or trying to get some somebody else to do. Do his dirty work for him, you lazy guts. Lazy bones. Oh, H, you're no longer on candid camera. <laughs> I like the face that he pulls, there, kind of, ah, choking face. <laughs> I wonder how, sadly, No Longer With, with Us forces TV... I wonder what viewers made of this. I wonder if they thought it was too slow or whether it was... Or whether it held up well. I've, I personally, I think it holds up well, but I would. I'm biased. I, you know, I think Blake's saying it's great. Oh, here we go. More more Darrow fighting. There's a bit which, which apparently was cut out from the original video release, the, the episodic one, when he... Um, Claps him around the ears. No, but they haven't come onto that yet. No, still uh, Blake's still pacing around, and Villa is just getting bored, so he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, he's just going to sit down. You know, <laughs> it's it's a nice bit of comedy. I mean, I think Blake Seven does have a reputation for being a little bit serious and doer, but there are nice, you know, some nice light moments in it from time to time. And some some great moments of black comedy, which come through well. You know, especially in episodes like Orbit, which is which is wonderful. You know, laugh a minute that one. <laughs> yeah, perfectly harmless. Of course, we've got technology like that nowadays, haven't we? You know, with um you know, t- you know touch-sensitive plates and uh, you know, using the eyes and all that. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, here's that bit that was cut out from the video, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Not, I don't I think it's any worse than, you know, clouting somebody across the jaw, you know, clapping someone across both ears, you know. You just won't be able to hear for a while. Which is probably good if you know if if um, Layland is playing like Des O'Connor records or Sing Along a Max Volume One Hundred and Three. It's probably a good thing if he's got this ringing in his ears. It's uh, it's it's good the way in you know this whole kind of cat and mouse thing, you know this kind of power struggle between Blake and his crew and and the and the crew of the ship, you know. Um, you know, you, th- you think they win, and of course they don't win, and, and, but ultimately, you know, they, they kind of do win again, and there's, you know, it's kind of, you know, this sort of um, these power games between the two sides. Yeah, Dudley Simpson's music really comes into its own here because you've got a lot of kind of non-dialogue scenes here, so you need to fill the gap, really. Yeah, some not- nice handheld work there from Robert's. They kind of had a you know sort of a pool of directors for each series, didn't they? So in, in this season you've got um um Pennant Roberts, you've got Michael E. Bryant, Douglas Canfield, who I think was gonna also direct Deliverance, but he had to drop out at the last minute. So he was he was replaced by Michael E. Bryant. Uh Via Lorimer, he, he directed quite a few. But they all they all bring their own individual style to the episodes. <laughs> he's, he's just got no time for niceties, has he, Avon? He just says, excuse me, you know, to Jenna, you know, there's no, it's no please or thank you or anything like that. It's just very matter of fact. But of course, the anti-hero was becoming more popular in the late 70s and early 80s. And I think Avon was, you know, a part of that. You know, Indiana Jones is not really a, you know, he he's a conventional hero in a way, but he's also not, you know, kind of a whiter than white, hero is he you know you know he womanises he you know he, uh, uh, he fights and gambles and you know he's uh, you know he's he's a hero but also an anti-hero you've, you've got um, Ripley in the Alien movies you know she's not exactly you know sweetness and light you know so it's a, it's, it's a common old thing in uh, in the late 70s and early 80s media I mean, what a prat Vila is, uh, or you know, should I say in Ganswood, Vila? What what is he calling Vila? Vila. Oh, I'm. Go- I'm oh, who are you going to see playing in the cup on Saturday mate? Oh, I'm going to see Aston Vila. Vila. Yeah, yeah. Vila just dropped his gun. I I, I mean, that was just a very stupid thing to do, really. Those Monday those futuristic microphones look more like kind of. They, but you know, they look, they look more like futuristic salt cellars, salt and pepper cellars. You know, kind like of. Oh, I'm go, I'm going to put a, you know a bit of pepper on this uh, this sandwich while I, while I uh, wait in. Uh, while I imprison myself in this uh, in this control room and hold you all to ransom. Got any pickles? Poor old Leyland. I mean, he's he he's really long suffering in this, and I, th- I think Glyn Owen is is better playing, and um, you know that kind of world weary, downtrodden commander. I, th- I think he's I think he's better at this than than he used to be, honest. In Doctor Who, um, I think maybe he's a little bit too laconic as Rom that in uh, Power of Crawl, but uh, no, he's, he's not. Not a bad performance by any means, but uh, I I do think this is the the better of his two science fiction uh, performances. That beard looks like it's just been stuck on. Well, he's he's a bit of a, Lainan is a bit of a proto-bozo, really, isn't he? He just turns a blind eye to any scandal that, you know, that that is happening, you know. Oh, I've shot a few prisoners. Oh, well, never mind, you know, you know, carry on, get on with it. And he even, you know, agrees to give Raker a free hand in doing anything necessary to get Blake and Jenner and Avon out of there. (laughs) <laughs> Avon is such a yuppie, isn't he? He's, you know, he's 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 about to go on about how wealth is the only reality, and the only way to accomplish that reality is to take the wealth away from other people. He's he's just so you know self preserving isn't he? It's it's just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a nice bit of callback, sir way back i think i said in the last uh, commentary for the way back is that they don't really dwell on it so much but that was a you know what, what you know his traumatic experiences but it's it, you know that, that was a nice bit of um rage there from uh, from gareth thomas who, who who does uh rage very well yeah here we go wake up blake you're still dreaming Yeah, the Flea with mac dreams is worth having that's, that's a good 45 to have <laughs> yeah all, all Avon is interested in is just um stealing a hundred million credits and just retiring for a, you know to a you know sort of a Villa in the Sun, or something, or a tropical island, you know, space island. If, if Terry Nation wrote that, we just all rack for company, probably. Oh, here we go. He's, he's Raker's cunning plan to he looks like he's presenting top of the pops there. Raker. The way he turns to the camera and you know says switch to camera 34. And tonight, on top of the pops, we have. Wings, uh, Yellow Dog, um, Sex Pistols, The Clash, Brotherhood of Man. <laughs> and he's killing his audience one by one. Yeah, he's, he's a nasty piece of work. He, he, he plays it well, Leslie Scottfield. <laughs> ...complete with um, disastrous flares that... ...even in the future, everybody has flares. Maybe he's shooting the people that took the Mickey out, with flares, I don't know. Oi, you don't like my fashion sense? You go first. But yeah, like I said before, it's, it's a good game of, um, of cat and mouse. It's one of a few, um, a few episodes of this season does it doesn't feel like kind of two stories in one it actually feels like a, a complete whole because um, like like I said last time uh, there's quite a few stories that actually kind of have two stories rolled into one and you know you get the first half devoted to you know one problem and then the second half devoted to another but this kind of feels like you know one long um, one long story in, you know in, in its own right which is which is quite unusual for Terry Nation at this stage I've got to say, I mean, considering it's the first to be recorded, all the regulars have immediately got to grips with their characters. I mean, they, they play them, they all play them really well. I mean, even, even David Jackson, who doesn't get a great deal to do, is, you know, he's, he's, you know, very good as Gann. <laughs> That's a good line. I'll set him for yours. Oh, yeah. Well, Blake certainly doesn't have any guts after that gut punch. God, that prison food must be uh, threatening to come back up after that. I hope it was macaroni cheese. Yeah, um, again, it's um, it's it's got more a- adult overtones. I think than Doctor Who, you know this, you know this horrible implication about um, Raker and Jenna. You know it's. Um, the sort of the sort of thing that um will probably get it pushed to a post nine o'clock slot these days, I think He's such a sneaky so- and so isn't he raky the way the way he manipulates Leyland like that, you know he says uh, oh right, yeah. Okay, maybe I did go too far, but you said I have full authority to do anything I wish, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he's got an, in, an instant get-out clause there. Sick. Yeah, that macaroni cheese did come back up, I think. DVD's still playing well so far, Touchwood, he says, touching his head. Something unfriendly. Yeah, it's it's a very dysfunctional crew. I mean that you know, neither of them not none of them particularly kind of you know, none of them are really kind of best buddies, are they? But they do kind of form their own friendships in their own unusual way. Like with Avon and Villa, I mean they're you know they're constantly at loggerheads, but there's this kind of grudging Bond between them, I suppose. But it is, is, um, again, it's completely unlike Doctor Who, where generally they get on very well. And I think we're about to get our first glimpse of the Liberator. Q. Dudley. Hey, it's the Liberator. It's such an unusual design for a spaceship. Which I think works well. I think it gives that, you know, I think, you know, that unusual design. I'm not sure who designed it, actually. I don't know. I'm not sure whether it was uh, Ian Schoon's or Matt Irvin or one of their team. I don't know. But the design of it is, you know, it's very unusual. I think it gives it, you know, kind of that kind of appropriate sort of grandeur, that kind of majesty that, you know, that it deserves. And actually, you yeah, know, the, these model shots I think are very good. You know, again, you know, they certainly got their money's worth from the from the Bray filming in uh you know, the in the in the summer of nineteen seventy seven Yeah, those ovals are, you know, like like I said last time, they always look like Easter egg. I always thought they were it was like a giant Easter egg as a kid. I I, I didn't really know much about Lake Seven, but, you know, I just thought it was like the tale of a the giant Easter egg. I, I you know, I did not really know any better. And of course, whereas um Raker sees sees getting his hands on the Liberator as a means of getting loads of money and extra prestige from the uh, from the Federation, of course, you know, for Blake and Co. it's it's a convenient way out. It's a it's a great get out clause. But I think it's a really neat trick kind of like, you know we're kind of unfolding the the gradual background of blake seven bit by bit you know we we don't get to see the liberator until this episode we we you know we don't even get to see, you know get to complete the crew until episode four so it's doing it in a very kind of gradual way which which i which i like yeah he was in uh, the face of evil as well wasn't he brett forrest i think his name is he uh he play. I think, I don't know if he had a name in the face of people. But he's the guy who, um, who slaps Leela and then uh, uh, the doctor throws a hoarder on him and he runs off screaming. But uh, still lives to tell another tale or strike another gong. Yeah, I think we're tending to use uh, the directors tending to use the same kind of rep of actors because. Um, Tennant Roberts, you know, he cast Leslie Schofield and Brett Forrest in this. Um, Michael E. Brighton would do the same thing. You know, he used um, Jeremy Wilkin in Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, He was in The Way Back. Um, Robots of Death, he used Miles Fothergill, who would be in The Web. And David Bailey, who would be in Project Avalon. So, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of... um, they like to use their own rep companies, did not they? Directors in those things, which which is fair enough, you know. If if you um, if if you get actors that work for you who deliver, you know, consistently strong performances, you're going to want uh, you're going to want them back, aren't you? There's another beady weirdie. He's got like a. It looks like he's got uh, one of those kind of um, mixing bowls on his head. Obviously, obviously that's, gonna, that's another fashion apart from Flairs, his um, um, mixing bowls and uh, boiler suits. Another great thing about the Liberator in this is that it's, it, it doesn't feel like a safe place. It doesn't feel like, you know, kind of like the cosy haven that it will become. You know it's, it's actually quite threatening because it, you know, it's got this safeguarding system in place that can uh, drive you insane and then ultimately kill you if, if you don't actually uh um if, if you don't actually uh resist it, yeah. Good bit, good bit of mystery with that he? Yeah, and I uh, hope you don't come across any order. Maybe maybe that's what drives him insane, is, uh, um, the doc, you know, he sees a vision of a, of uh, the Doctor DeVore turning into the Doctor and flinging millions of hoarders at him. You know, no wonder the poor guy be triggered out of his mind. Norman Tipton, going to learn his lines from Underworld the there. Yeah, all, all that all that looks quite good on the film actually, because you know they um, that was, that was more Ealing filming. I think this was, um, yeah, I think I think they did the the Ealing filming. I think um, like September October seventy seven. I'm I'm not not quite sure which month it was, but they did that first, and um, no, it it looks good. You know that that tube looks really effective. Of all, another one done from you. <laughs> I do like the, you know, kind of the old school delivery, you know, from you. <laughs> but you've got Blake and Avon and Jenna. Use them as bait. Yeah, I, I think this story holds up really well. I, I think it moves along at, you know, a, a fair old speed. I think, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really think it flags. I don't, I don't really think it, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's probably one of the uh, the, the most, um, Successful stories of the season. I think it. I think it. You know, it succeeds in introducing everyone, all the main characters, really well. Um, it's got some you know good stuff for for the regulars, is it? And it tells a good story in its own right, while being part of a you know kind of a more you know a, a bigger whole. If uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah. There you go. Take your pick. You can either go mad or be killed. Not really a very enticing version of deal or no deal. Very wise. <laughs> So they're about to get their first glimpse of the Liberator here. And, uh, and I've, I've, of course they resist it, but uh, poor old um, Brett Forrest character hasn't. Is it called Crow? I, th- I think he might be called Krell. I don't, I don't think he's just called Guard in this. I don't know. Or oh, is he called Teague? I don't know. No, Teague, I, I think Teague is the beardy. I don't I don't know. And some good dramatic music about to be... Heard here from Dudley. Yeah, he, he scores it really well. Just, you know, a, a ma- amazing musician, Dudley Simpson. Just manages to get that balance, you know, between high drama and an underscore, you know, not going too far like uh, certain nameless Golden Boys. Yes, Sally Nivet on the commentary kind of tends to point out how uh, she hasn't got her hair extensions. We, which, you know, which is quite obvious on the on the film bits. I, I don't really know why they bothered doing that, though. You know, if they want to make it like Agnesa from ABBA? Is it agnesa I, th- I think it's agnesa Agnetta's the blonde one anyway. Yeah, it's it's Agneta, not Anna Anaphrod's the dark-haired one. Yeah, ma- maybe they were going for a, you know, kind of an ABBA vibe because, you know, they were huge at the time of like Seven. I suppose that makes... um. Uh, Blake and Avon, Buell and Benny, I suppose. Callie can be, uh, Callie can be anything. It's it's a great, great design from Roger Murray Leach. I mean, considering that he had no budget to work with, that is, that is quite an accomplishment, really. And it's lit very well as well, at this point, you know, moody lighting. Oh, BD's copped it. Not even the, the mixing bowl hack and, can save this one. So they're about to be—they're uh, about to be held ransom by horrible memories from their past, and which could kill them. Actually, uh, this is another good um, Pen and Roberts trick. You know that kind of zooming into into the face and the eye, and uh, that kind of weird kind of. I think I'm not sure if it's Quantel that they used, or you know, or, or a video disc machine which they they used to like slow down things and reverse and forward, etc. Um, but yeah, it's really good, and yeah, that, I mean, it's it's quite disturbing images of you know Jenna's mum being um, tortured there. That's, it's quite disturbing. I'm not sure this creepy looking guy. I think is Avon's brother with just looks. Scary, really. It's like the sort of bloke you cross the road to avoid, really. And of course, we don't get we don't get to see Abel, uh, Blake's visions. But I, I think it's his family that he's uh, speaking to. Paul Darrow about to do another great stunt here, a great fall across the uh, the cream sofa there. Yeah, here we goes. <laughs> Great, good on you, Paul. Yeah, just just the little bits of design, like those kind of floating clouds on the on the screen in the background. It's um, it it looks it looks unusual and it looks otherworldly. But it also looks, you know, quite big scale as well. And I, I think, in like I said, you know, if if they had, you know, only you know sort of beans and breadcrumbs to work with, as it were, for uh, for the budget, I think Roger Murray Neach is, you know, I, I think he's done extremely well with uh, with the design for this, you know, instantly memorable. Really, seems he can recognise dreams. Yep, yeah, just beware of a raker that's about to come across. <laughs> yeah, if, if he had to, if he had a moustache um, like he did in um, Johnny Briggs or uh, Eastenders, I, th- I think he'd be twirling it now. <laughs> I'm gonna make make sure they don't get too comfortable. <laughs> I mean it's all very mysterious about the origins of the uh, the Liberator. And even when we, we get to find out a bit more about, you know, the background of the Liberator in Redemption, you know, there's still I think there's still probably more questions than answers, I think. You know, like who were the actual crew, you know, and you know, were they all like the uh, um those uh, those two women in Redemption. I forget what they're called, the the Ruskin and Harriet Philpin characters. Oh, Raker's got his, uh, his futuristic cooking bowl on his head and his boy in suit. Yeah, that's, that's not the most uh, flattering get-up, is it? <laughs> but I, I, I like, I like Raker's death in this. I, I I do like the fact that he gets his just desserts because he's just, my, you know... He's he's one of those baddies that everybody loves to boo in his hat, you know? So And, of course, everybody wants, you know you know, a... You know, a Suitably nasty ending for the bandy. Eh? Although, although maybe the effects are a little bit a little bit wonky for you know like Toy Raker like being held up on a bit of string while he's being sucked into space. <laughs> Which we're about to see now. Oh, here he goes. Uh maybe move. <laughs> run backwards, you fool. <laughs> good being good being dragged into the vacuum of space acting. Very good, scoping. Oh, yep. There he goes. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, the bit the bit where he's where he actually kind of is flung out first into space is good, but that little toy raker doll, sort of like sort of going wee 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 wee, sort of you know sort of jumping about on the stick, you know, in the string or you know, whatever. It, it just looks a little bit comical, <laughs> but anyway, he's he's a goner. What a mistake it's a rake, huh? Oh, that's actually quite an optimistic ending for a, for a Blake Seven episode. Well, I think we made it. We made it, folks, with a uh, with a crack DVD. Yes, we did yeah unusually they had the um it's only for the first two episodes i think that they actually have the uh the title of the episode and by terry nation and though they drop they drop it later they just um go straight into blake gareth thomas for the credits well that that was great that was a a very a very strong episode of blake seven i think and um it's For me, it's really where Blake 7 probably begins, I think, because it's got so many of the most memorable aspects of the series. E- even though The Way Back is a great piece of telly, this feels more like traditional Blake 7, I think. But uh, yeah, I-, I enjoyed that enormously. And so, yeah, great story. Well, I will be back very soon with, uh, with more commentaries. I'm sure I'll be uh, tackling the shouty Brian Blessed of Doom episode very soon in the in the near future. But for the moment, uh it's goodbye from me, John Bensalia. Thank you for joining me, thanks again, and hope to hear from you soon. Bye for now.